This is The Pool, I'm Rain Coleman, your host, and this is episode 26. Alright y'all, thank you all for joining me for another week of The Pool. To all you new listeners, thank you for tuning in. This is a weekly comic book news and slight comic book review show. So, if that's right up your alley, if that's your jam, your stilo, and all that good stuff, please... Go over to your podcasting app and subscribe to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast. All right, y'all, now we are deep, knees deep into June. This is Pride Month, of course. And as I have stated before, when you're supporting, acknowledging, or amplifying the voices of the members of the LGBTQAI plus community online, please use the hashtag CBNLGBTQ. That hashtag will be on the art for this episode, and it will be in the show notes. Please do that so that I'll be able to retweet and repost those uh, uh, accolades (laughs) to uh, help spread awareness. And if you're a part of the LGBTQAI community, use the hashtag as well, and I'd love to amplify whatever, I don't know, books, t-shirts, podcasts, whatever you got going on, I want to amplify that as well. Also, search that hashtag on Twitter. I did kind of a... um, LGBTQ icon series. I'm trying to do it like Monday through Thursday, Friday-ish every week this June. So there's that. Um, Now a little bit of housekeeping, of course. Check out the BYNK Radio fam. Uh, Check out the Government Name Podcast that includes Shogun and Cole Jackson. They are your checks and balances of social commentary. I believe that's still the tagline. If not, charge it to my head, not my heart. And Sid Davis over there at the Social Introvert Podcast. All dope-ass, amazing, amazing shows. Uh, pumping out good quality content for your ride home, your ride to work, your ride out of town, all that. Tune in. BYNKradio.net. Alright. Now, getting right into the thick of it. In our lead story tonight, Please be sure to subscribe to the Carefree Black Nerd YouTube channel. There will be content coming soon. Right now, there are just a handful of podcast episodes. Um, in the attempt of doing more and being a more interactive creator, I'll be taking suggestions on what kind of content you'd like to see. So let me know, um, you know, as far as YouTube is concerned, what would you want to uh, to see from me, the Carefree Black Nerd? That is what I am here doing for you guys now um you can go ahead and email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com and uh what else let's see slide into the dms hop into the dms on twitter carefree blurred is the handle you can also go ahead and uh get into those instagram dms as well like i suppose that should i'm not going to limit the ways that you can get in touch with me so please do that and like i said give me suggestions what would you want to see from a carefree black nerd what type of videos what would you want me to cover um i'll say i'll probably open up the coverage to maybe a bit more than just people of color like if you're just adamant that you love rogue and that is your favorite x-men and you just want to hear my take on her then i'll probably go ahead and uh, do a little video about rogue but that's enough of that Please be sure to let me know. Today is Friday or Saturday or Sunday or Monday or um, Tuesday or Wednesday or it's Thursday, which means it is heterosexual pride day. Hi, I'm Dylan Marin. And as an ally, I wanted to celebrate the brave commitment of straight folks to love out loud in a world that encourages them to do so. Now to understand a little more about why we celebrate heterosexual pride, 
Let's go back to one of the earliest documented straight couples ever, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve met like most couples in that she came from his rib, <laughs> blah, 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 so typical. <laughs> Maybe it's a straight thing, I don't know. Nude, the only humans on earth and totally fictional, even Adam dared to love each other because God told them they must. Adam and Eve, however, were dealt a deafening blow when they were evicted from their home, thus creating the first known cases of heterophobic housing discrimination. But they didn't let bigotry get in their way. With the strong-willed determination that only exists in symbolic creation myths, Adam and Eve walked out of the Garden of Eden, thus creating the first documented straight pride parade. As time went on, heterosexual humans continued to fight against adversity, plagued with challenges like pregnancy, marriage, and universal acceptance. Tired of not seeing themselves represented in media, they invented media so that they could see avatars of themselves fall in love over and over and over again in what is now known as every movie ever. In the 20th century, when gay people were invented to threaten their love, they found ways to become even more divisive. Thanks to the bravery of straight people throughout history, you can see heterosexual pride parades throughout all parts of the world, literally any time a man and woman walk down the street unafraid to hold each other's hands. Are you a straight person who is breathing? Then you are taking part in heterosexual pride simply by breathing easier knowing that you live in a world that accepts you. So, from this ally to you, happy heterosexual pride day every f***ing day, which coincidentally is the same day that we celebrate white people and men. Uh, in our actual other lead story, we have Deadly Class. Uh, Deadly Class has been cancelled and who is pissed is me. I do not know why sci-fi would do this horrible thing. Um, I heard that they really have a history of pulling stunts like this, like pulling uh, shows that are doing well. I'm not 100% familiar with sci-fi. They are not my go-to channel. But with Deadly Class being on that station, it made me want to check out more of their content. But because they've pulled it, I, there'll have to be something major that comes on my radar because right now I just don't care anymore. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of upset because I got so invested and I had this series ripped right from under me. But again, I am a comic book fan, so I should be used to this type of behavior. But I am not. And yes, I am in my feelings behind this. Uh, everyone knows, <laughs> listening to this should know that I was a diehard fan of the show. Um, I think Rick Remender is now shopping around for another home for the show. Maybe a streaming service. Hopefully that goes well. We can get another season to this very superb show. I'd like to know what the fallout is from the end of season one. Uh, I don't know. That cliffhanger was it was the cliffiest of hangers, and I'm I'm ready to see what uh, what they're gonna pull out the bag next. So fingers crossed that these guys get to working again. I want Willie. I want to see him on screen with uh, his beautiful brown girlfriend, black girlfriend, excuse me, and uh, all the stuff that they're going through. I just, I want to see that played out. So let me know via Twitter what you think about the ending of Deadly Class on Sci-Fi. Use that hashtag, ThePoolCBN, and let me know if you're okay with it. If you're like, eh, I didn't care about the show anyways. Or if you're hoping that the show gets another season somewhere else. Again, use that hashtag, ThePoolCBN, and let me know what your thoughts are. 
Alright, so also on the list we have Mindy Kaling. Kaling, Kaling, I know I was going to mess up her name. Mindy Kaling of The Office fame and The Mindy Show. Or I think it's called The Mindy Project. Uh, she's in talks with Marvel about Kamala Khan. Now, uh, she... Okay, for those of you who don't know, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, is an inhuman who is part of the champions. She has her own solo series. She's been written and handled by amazing writers and creators, but she is uh, a woman of color, and she shares the same background as Mindy Kaling. And, um, yeah, so I'm pretty much what's going on is that Mindy is in talks with Marvel about creating or developing or just being a part of a project that would bring uh, Kamala Khan to life. And I'm excited and it would only make sense that she would be a person involved. Uh, just look at her body of work. Like, yeah, she's more of a comedic actress, but she still has that lived-in experience. I remember watching The Mindy Project. That's what it's called. I remember uh, watching an episode where she had her younger brother come into town, and he was, like, trying to be a rapper. But with their cultural history or whatnot, like their parents wanted him to be a doctor. He was in med school and it just dealt with the nuances of a culture that I do not know much of anything about. And it was told from that person's perspective and it was still relatable. And though it was very comedic, it it rang very true as to this is experiences that this group of people has. You know, so all that being said, I'm very confident in Mindy if she is a part of this uh, project and what she can do with it. Um, I want to say who else was with her? It was Mindy and Riz Ahmed, I believe, who wanted to be a part of whatever Kamala Khan project. And with uh, Marvel pushing for diversity like that, it makes it makes so much sense to let this be a thing, like period. Um, also, for those of you who may be like, oh, I don't really know about Mindy, you know, she's just the actress and whatever else. Fun fact, Mindy, um, in addition to all her other talents, is a cartoonist herself. She's written and drawn a uh, newspaper comic for Dartmouth, and it is titled Badly Drawn Girl, and she wrote that from 1999 to 2001. So though I have not laid my eyes on that particular strip or comic, uh, but either way, she's consistently drawn and written this comic for that college way back when. Like, that's still... Mm, she, so this ain't her first time. You know, she, she's dealing with scripts on a, I would imagine, daily basis in her actual job. So, I don't know. But you guys let me know. How do you feel about Mindy possibly being attached to a Kamala Khan movie or series over at Marvel? And uh, use the hashtag ThePoolCBN. I'd really like to know what it is that you're thinking. Is this way out of left field? Is this something that you can see happening? Make this the conversation, guys. Okay, and what else we got here? Love, Death, and Robots is renewed for a season two over at Netflix. Uh, the first season consisted of 18 animated shorts. Netflix announced this past Monday uh, morning, actually, that the anthology has scored a second volume. Now, who knows what type of stories are coming out of this next installment. The one thing that I would hope is that Netflix would maybe ask for indie creators to contribute to the franchise. Maybe not the full 18, but say like, hey guys, we have six slots out there. Send us y'all stuff. We, you know, compensate you. Get your name in the credits and everything else. If we don't use it, then oh well, maybe we use it in the future or something. Because I feel like that would be killing two birds with one stone. 
One, you can put some indie creators on the map and they'll help build their portfolio so that they can use that, you know, to get more jobs and to get, you know, jobs into places where they maybe wouldn't have before. Also, they're creating work for you, you being Netflix, so that you don't have to do it. So again, if you put a call out and let them know, okay, we have Love, Death and Robots Season 2, Volume 2, 18 episodes, and we're only going to have... Uh, 12 of them that we'll take care of, but then we need the others for you guys out there. Send us your stuff. Again, compensate you. Put your name in the credits. Give you, I don't know, a Netflix staff t-shirt or something. Like, give. I just feel like with all the reboots and remakes of things from the past, something like this could really, it could really put some people on the map. And it could also show that Netflix is, you know, a, I don't want to say better company, but a very conscious company because you do have so many indie creators that are relying on like crowdfunding and outsourcing a lot of their things in order to make a living show that you're you see that these people are working and that you value them and that you know they could be an asset to your company like this is it's just one show come on netflix gosh dang it so like I said, you can kill two birds with one stone. Now, this announcement was made official on Netflix's See What's Next Twitter account. It said, and I quote, <clears throat> Love, Deaf, and Robots will be back. Jennifer U. Nelson has joined as supervising director for Volume 2 and will oversee all episodes. So, it don't get much more clearer than that. It's back. So, first and foremost, kudos to her. Um, and let me know via Twitter again if you're ready for a season two of Love, Death, and Robots. Use that hashtag, the pool CBN. So, did you watch the first volume? Are you like, yeah, you know, we need a second installment, or do you really not care one way or the other? Like, eh, it was okay. Maybe it's not your speed. But let me know again on Twitter using that hashtag, the pool CBN. Okay. Now, next up, we have. <laughs> <laughs> the animated series, the crew behind the animated series of X-Men, back from 92, they want a Disney revival. Okay, y'all, so it's been 22 years since the last airing of X-Men, the animated series, that was back in 1997. And so some people have been born since then, some people have went off the high school graduate, high school graduate, college in their careers, but like there's a lot going on within 22 years. Uh, and I feel like we are long overdue for some kind of revival. And you know who else agrees? Larry Houston. Now, Larry Houston is the longtime storyboard artist and character designer. And he says, and I quote, The one thing we'd like to do more than anything else is to continue where we left off. He said this to The Hollywood Reporter that he and others from the animated series are hoping to meet with Disney executives about bringing the show back. Now, I feel like this is a no-brainer. Now, I love the 92 animated series. There has been a few since then. It was Wolverine and the X-Men and the X-Men. I forget the name of the the series that came between Wolverine and the X-Men and the 92 uh, version. But that's, that's, uh, um, that is a series that came out as well. That being said, I think that 92 is held in a higher regard. I could be wrong, maybe it's my bias because that was my childhood show, but regardless, with you opening up the multiverse, with there being a Disney Plus app, with you having your own Netflix style street level uh, shows being brought to the Disney Plus app, and you also folding in the Netflix shows, 
why wouldn't you, at the very least, host the uh, X-Men animated series, each incarnation on the Disney Plus app, and why not go ahead and take advantage of this and continue the story? Like, if these people are ready and willing, how dope would it be for in the year of 2019 to see a continuation of a 22-year gap in the X-Men 92 series, picking right back up with the same animation or similar animation, but with modern stories. Like so much has happened in comics since then, and that was one of the shows that did a very good job at getting storylines across and treating children who were watching these shows uh, like they were, not necessarily adults, but not treating them like they were children, not spoon feeding them this, oh my God, Professor X is being mean to me. No, this was like serious storylines that we were fully capable in reading in the comics that they just translated to the TV screen. Do that again. All right, come on, man. <laughs> so let me know what you guys think again, of course, in, in the comments and on Twitter. Use that hashtag, ThePoolCBN. If you think that there should be an X-Men animated series revival or not, please be ready to defend your answer because y'all know how I feel. And if you disagree, we finna fight it out on Twitter. No. <laughs> All right, y'all. So, um, and lastly here, please be on the lookout for the House of Poser podcast back with its second season uh, this week in the Carefree Black Nerd feed. We should have the first episode up. Um, I want you guys to live tweet with me. Use that hashtag PoserPod. That's going to be in the show notes as well. Let's make some noise this season. I'm kind of debating if I want to do some sort of pregame kind of in the same vein as the Black Lightning Matters pregames that I have with my co-host Cole Jackson. Um, but yeah, Pose is back. Uh, Pose is back on Tuesday, June 11th, Season 2, Episode 1, which is titled Acting Up. Uh, like I said, be ready. I think it's 10 Eastern, 9 Central. I'm in Dallas, Texas. I'll be in the Central Crew. We're going to live tweet. Use that hashtag PoserPod. While you're doing that, I'll probably be posting already if I haven't every single review episode that I've posted for season one. I want you guys go over there to the Carefree Black Nerd feed and check that out. Go over there to the Twitter, Carefree Blurred, and let me know what you think. Listen to the uh, to the reviews to get yourself ready for none other than Pose back for a season two. All right, y'all. So, um, like I said before, <laughs> using that hashtag, the pool CBN. If you're going to be live tweeting with me, let me know. Check in, check in, the pool CBN, checking in for Pose. And let me know if you'd be interested in the pregame. Is that something that kind of tickles your fancy i don't know if that's something that you'd want let me know using that hashtag and tweet me directly all right y'all now we're going to go to break and we'll be back with a bit more of the pool i am jasmine masters and i have something to say you know what your kids are they whores prostitutes drug heads some of them even did you know why because it's your fault just because your kid is gay does not mean that they need to be put out on the street because they licking pussies and taking dicks and sprawled all up in their assholes. That's your child regardless of the fact. You need to love and support your child because when you put them out in the street at a young age, everything I said, they become drug kids, whores, and sluts. It's what they become. Some of them even dead because the streets is hard out here. So just because your kid may say, Mom and Dad, I'm gay, don't you stop loving them. 
Your ass is wrong for that. If you fucking had them, you should fucking take care of them. Bottom line, cut and dry. It's your blood running through their veins. You put them out on the street and they die, you a killer, bitch. Get it together. All right, John, we are back. Uh, okay, the pool this week, I actually picked up Black Cat number one. Uh, Black Cat is starring in her first ever ongoing series. Now, Felicia Hardesky, I don't know what this hardy mess come from. Uh, Felicia Hardesky has a taste for the finer things in life and a certain set of skills that gets her into any mansion, vault, or museum to procure said finer things. But due to her actions in Amazing Spider-Man, Felicia's not only on the run from the police, but also by the New York Thieves Guild and their boss, Odessa Drake. High-octane heist, climactic changes, and twist after twist that will keep you on the edge of your seat like a cat on a perch. <laughs> all in all, man, this was a pretty good issue. Now, again, like I said, I am a fan of Felicia. I've been a fan of her since, ooh, as long as I can remember, honestly. Now... With my old age, guys, I don't know if I first met her in the Spider-Man animated series back in the 90s or if I read her in a comic book prior to that. I just remember that I saw her in both. Um, I was a fan of her long hair, that skin-tight black suit, that do-whatever-the-fuck-I-want attitude. She was like always like a step ahead of the rest. I, I just liked her. Now, this could be nostalgia speaking for me, but I just remember her being such a larger-than-life character. And I guess you could kind of compare her to Catwoman, but not really. Um, as a child, I saw the similarities with these two women dressed up as cats, but I also saw there being a very fine difference between Felicia and Selena Kyle. But I don't know. I, it probably was my... my Memory of her was probably shaped more by the animated series. Like, I read her in the comics, but the actress playing her and seeing her interact with Peter in the animated series probably uh, shaped a lot of what I feel and what I think about her today. Um, let's see. Now, first off, like I said, fan favorite. Secondly, the cover. Ooh, J. Scott Campbell did an amazing cover. It's very much in a J. Scott style. Um... But I went for the Stanley Art Germ Loud Trade Dress variant cover. I hope I said all that right. It's the cover that makes it look kind of like an album cover. Now, both are great. But this variant really caught my eye. I just, I love this black on black. And it's just like from her breast up. Amazing. Dope. I just, I love it. Now, thirdly, get into the actual story. We open up with Felicia narrating and entering um, the showing for what's called the Frick Collection. Now, I feel like that has to be kind of referencing something, but I don't really know enough about fine art to recall or have a working knowledge of what that might be. It could either be something that's actually real that it's kind of referencing, or it could be something within the Marvel Universe, or hell, it could just be made up. But I'm not, I'm not familiar. Now, I have to say, the first page, those five panels where we only see the back of Felicia with like an updo and this very tight fitted dress and this like fur boa is so damn nice. Like it opens up kind of like a movie or a TV series. Um, another thing I was thinking while reading this, have Felicia Hardesky and Emma Frost ever crossed paths? Like just think what kind of freaking team up would you get the shade the opulence the action the labels like i don't ever recall them being in the same book together if you know please let me know 
uh, use that hashtag the pool CBN because I would really like to know if these two high sedity ass white women have been together in a book talking shit and fighting like <laughs> bruh can you imagine um so me i'm a fan of true crime shows and like heist shows and stuff like that so for those who aren't familiar there's a show called leverage i love that show it's kind of campy kind of low budget at times they tell these like one and done stories and like villain of the week but it's a really good um it's a really good show it's a good kind of kickback on sunday and just marathon it now when i was reading this i really expected for like felicia to come in do to do and then there to be like a flashback explaining how her and her team stole this piece of art it never happened but that's all right now fourthly because we still counting there are a few things that I really enjoyed with this book, and one of them was, well, one of two, a few were. <laughs> one, meeting the head of security, Sonny Ocampo, who is on Felicia as soon as she hits the door. He does not trust her. Her reputation precedes her. And we kind of get a glimpse into what might have been his former life of crime. Uh, it's it, I like the way that the artwork has set this up where you get this... You get the panels, but then between the panels, you get what looks like ripped off or clawed off paper. And behind the paper, so behind the panels, you see the mug shots of Felicia. And then on another page, you see the mug shot of Sonny. So I'm thinking, I don't know if maybe they didn't mess around or been in some stuff together or whatever. But the way she talks to him later on in the book implies that she doesn't know who he is. So I'm like... Maybe he got a vendetta against her when he messed up some shit back in the day. And she like, I don't know who you is, little boy. Also, another thing I noticed or took notice of is that Felicia's mugshot is in New York. Whereas Sonny's is in New Jersey. I don't know if that matters right now, but I'm sure that might make a difference later on. But yeah, that that dude, he don't trust her. Um, now, this is Sonny's first appearance in the Marvel Comics universe. Um, I'm sure he was created for this book. He was created by the creative team on the book, which is writer Jed McKay and artist Travel Foreman. Now, I love his tenacity. Like, no matter how many times Felicia slipped out of his hands, he still came at her, even though he was not winning. Bruh, not. Hell, the funniest part is actually how he was the one who escorted her off the premises as if he was her own personal bodyguard, like trying to get her off the, um, out of the, the Frick collection viewing. While doing that, he didn't mess around and while you're trying to kick her out, you've gotten her out safely only to find out that the stuff you was guarding is missing. Like that was cool as shit. Um, the other thing I enjoyed about this series was Odessa Drake. She is the leader of the New York Thieves Guild. And I wonder if this is, if the Thieves Guild, I know they've been around for a while because Gambit uh, was a part of the New Orleans Thieves Guild. But I'm interested in finding out if the Thieves Guild has always been a big thing at Marvel or if someone, this creative team and whoever else was on Amazing Spider-Man, decided to make it a more prominent thing or give them chapters. Because I can't recall, and I could be wrong, or misremembering, uh, but I can't recall there being other factions of the Thieves Guild outside of New Orleans. But I digress. Uh, this chick, she is the leader of the New York Thieves Guild. She showed up in this number one issue of Black Cat, and this is actually her fourth appearance in Marvel, period. Her first three were in Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, from last year, uh, 
the first one was in Amazing Spider-Man number eight. That was back in December. Uh, and her next two were in January of this year, which is uh, Amazing Spider-Man number nine and ten. So these were Heist Part One, Heist Part Two, and Heist Part Three. I need to get my hands on this Heist storyline because I believe this is the events that lead right into Black Cat number one. Um, now I don't know much about uh, Odessa, but Felicia says out of her mouth, "This is Odessa Drake, HBIC of the New York Thieves Guild." Our relationship is complicated. And boy, is it ever complicated. Bruh, after a few perverse exchanges between the two of them, Felicia is on her way with a nasty threat from Odessa. Like, pretty much Odessa is telling her, we're going to starve you out. We're going to starve you. Like, you owe us or whatever you did you we want reparations and if we can't get our hands on you we can make sure that every single thing that you do what is it what would you say everything you to you do right by us everything you gonna crumble felicia like bruh also okay felicia has these retractable claws her fingernails they seem to kind of operate the same way that wolverine claws do but where exactly do they sit when they're not extended? I don't ever remember her having this quote-unquote power before. Does this mean that she's some kind of mutant? Or is this just some comic hiccup that I should overlook? I don't know. It's stressing me a bit because I'm like, eh. And then the nails that popped out were completely painted as well. Like, what is going on? <laughs> do they sit inside her fingers? And if so, because of the length, how does she bend her fingers at the knuckle? Hmm. Um, yeah, so the art on this book is incredible. This is very much in my wheelhouse. I think this is because this art reminds me a lot of Chris Pachalo, uh, who you know is my favorite artist. You know, what's up, Generation X, Volume 1. Uh, now, when I look at the way these two characters are drawn and I look at their last names, Sonny and uh, uh, Odessa, I think Sonny may be a man of color. Um, I looked into it and Ocampo is a Galatian name, so it's kind of Spanish. Um, directly from Spain and Miss Drake by the way she's drawn and colored she may be a woman of color as well even though the name Odessa is very much like a Ukrainian name so I don't know it feels like they're both characters of color but I don't know for sure and it really kind of pisses me off because a lot of times these comics don't specify so even when I'm getting um trying to find a character to discuss on Carefree Black Nerd Proper on Sundays, and I'm trying to get a character of color, a lot of times they aren't explicitly said in the descriptions, this is an Asian man, this is an Aboriginal woman, this is a Latino man, and they don't say that, so you have to do a lot of digging. Like, I think I thought Northstar, he, he reads very much Asian to me, but I keep getting... No, he's a white guy. He's just elfish looking, him and his sister. But they look Asian. Just like Lalandra to me, reads as an Asian woman. But who knows? I, I don't know. Um, but I digress. Uh, so, yeah. Felicia has her little team. Uh, she stole this painting. This, I really hope that this series is just like a long line of like a bunch of cons and griffs and like just stealing shit and acting a fool and even if it gets a bit heavy at times that's what felicia is good at that's what she's known for give me some backstory that's cool but give me a lot of stealing stuff and making shit harder for other people that's really what i want uh we get a little surprise at the end it's a cliffhanger i don't really know too much about felicia's history 
So this person that we get is somebody from her past. I don't know if that person is... The, the ending didn't hit for me like I think it will for someone who is familiar with her. I'll say that much. Um, shit, that being said, man, this was a good issue. I don't know if this is an ongoing or if this is a mini series, but either way, I do think that it's worth um, picking up. So check out that first, excuse me, check out that first run or that first issue rather of um, Black Cat. Like this is cool as the, bruh, this is cool. All right, y'all, now tell me, was this episode of the pool interesting to you why don't you answer some of those questions i asked earlier in the episode um i really like to get your take on these stories that we are coming out with on this week uh thank you all for listening of course now lastly i do want to get into the comic books that i'm looking forward to this week and there are quite a few of them uh from abstract comics we do have terry moore's five years issue number two coming out i might get my hands on that though i am behind on all of his work i'm still like in the first maybe 20 issues of uh strangers in paradise like i'm behind y'all uh danger zone they have spencer and Locke issue two i love that first run of spencer and Locke, which is like a calvin and hobbs uh crime noir story and they've aged up calvin and hobbs it's a lot it's dark for like i think it's the first trade is five issues i don't think it's quite six but for those few issues you that man goes through a whole lot uh from dark horse we have umbrella academy hotel oblivion issue number seven with the umbrella academy i believe they were renewed for a season two Coming down the pipeline, it would be nice in this between time to get familiar with the books, with the stories, because who knows what they're going to be pulling from for this second season of uh, Umbrella Academy. So, so keep up with that. Let's see from uh, DC Comics, we have Batman and the Outsiders issue two. I think I covered issue one on one of these recent episodes of the pool. Uh, all in all, that was a good, good first issue. Um, I think that Batman is a bit different he's very different from the tom king batman i don't know exactly what's going on or if he's just a supporting character or he's just in there to draw in more readers but either way i do think i'm going to be picking up this second issue just to at least follow the story and see where we are with the uh with the property uh we also have from dc comics catwoman issue 12 uh wonder twins issue 5 and wonder woman issue 72 so if you're looking forward go ahead and check those out as well Image Comics, Ice Cream Man Volume 3, Hopscotch Melange. Ice Cream Man is a very good book. It very much gives me, um, like, Tales from the Crypt, but if, but if it was, like, light and sunny. It's all these horror stories that are threaded together, and the Ice Cream Man seems to be the villain, kind of the narrator. We don't know if, because of the way the book is written, if you're rooting for him, but then all of a sudden, out of the blue, you get kind of like a vampire hunter, type person who's after the ice cream man so that i've fallen off i do have the first trade but i will um i think i have the first two trades or the first either way i'm going to go ahead and probably pick that up as well that trade paperback also from image we have prodigy issue six prodigy is a good book i've been reading it sparingly i think it will read better collected in trade than single issues but that's just my opinion uh lion forge we have our catalyst prime excel issue 21 again another series that i've fallen off of but i do have the back issues 
somewhere in this office. Y'all, I need some help. <laughs> and lastly, in Marvel Comics, we have Immortal Hulk, issue 19, and Ironheart, issue 7. Why are we only on issue 7 with Ironheart? It feels like we should be much further along. But I'm, I'm not going to worry about that right now. I'm, I'm going to wait. So, again, guys, thank you all for listening. Please follow me on social media. My Twitter is CarefreeBlurred. Instagram and all other is CarefreeBlackNerd. You can email me at CarefreeBlackNerd at gmail.com. There are tons of other shows in the Carefree Black Nerd feed. Please check them out. And be sure to subscribe to the show on your local podcasting apps and sites. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and, of course, BYNKRadio.net in the podcast section. While you guys are over there on your podcast listening platform, please be sure to give that five-star rating and leave a review. I'll be sure to read your reviews on air. And, uh, yeah, there we go. So thank you guys so much for listening again for another week. Please answer those questions I've asked earlier in the episode. I do want to get your take and make it a conversation. So until next time, guys, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and I'm out.